for reaching to the highest mountain and it flows to the lowest valley oh, oh, oh. that gives me Today is your day. Today is your day. He is here. He's reaching for you. Hallelujah. 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 Man. Mark 10, chapter, chapter 10, verse 17. And when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I might inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, and that is God. Acknowledging who he is. Acknowledging who he is. Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not fraud not honor thy father and mother and he answered and said unto him master all these have I observed from my youth then Jesus beholding him loved him Jesus already knew what the next sentence was going to be Jesus already knew his faults Jesus already knew what was going to happen and yet he loved him. Jesus knows where you're at. Jesus knows your faults. Yet he's here 
and loves you. One thing, one thing thou lackest. Go thy way, sow whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come, take up the cross, and follow me. And he was sad at this saying, and he went away grieved, for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked around about and saith unto his disciples, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? And the disciples were astonished at his words. But Jesus answereth again and saith unto them, Children, how hard is it for them that trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God? Can you put your Bibles down and let's lift our hands? Lord, I pray that you will anoint us today, that your word will go forth. Find good ground in all of us. Lord, anoint me and let the words that I say be what you want today. Lord, have your way in this place. Be king of this place today. Let your kingdom come in this place today. We bow to you and surrender everything to you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. You may be seated. In Luke 18, this, he refers to this as a young man and certain ruler. So this, this guy had some wealth. He had some power. Probably had a lot of things. He probably had the big house on the street. When, people, when he walked into a restaurant, everybody knew his name. He had some pull. He had some influence. So he was a big deal. But even with that, he, he kind of recognized who Jesus was. And he came to him and said, how do I inherit eternal life? Jesus, if you go through Matthew and Luke, he basically goes the Ten Commandments, just goes down the Ten Commandments, knowing full well what this young man's answer was. The young man was like, yeah, I got you. I've done all those. I've been faithful in that. I've gone to church every Sunday and Wednesday. I even made it to a few prayer, prayer meetings on Monday. Oh, man, I've got you on. I've read my Bible. I've listened to my Bible as it talked to me. And I've fasted every other week or whenever. I've done all this stuff. Jesus, loving him, had more for him. Jesus had more for him than just following some guidelines or some convictions or rules. Jesus wanted a relationship that would grow. So Jesus had to address the one thing in the, this man's life that was hindering moving forward. And that was not that he had great wealth. It wasn't that he had a bunch of possessions. And no, this is not going to be about giving money. Move the mission, we'll be coming and wait. But it was the trust in his wealth. 
It was the trust in his possessions that was his problem. And see, when Jesus addressed it and said, you know what, you need to get rid of all these things and come follow me, take up the cross and follow me, what Jesus was saying was, you need to get rid of your identity, how you're known, the things that identify you, the things that you rely on when problems come, your security blanket, your comfort zone. When tri trials come, you, re you rely on your riches instead of first calling Jesus. As Pastor said last week, call 911, then call Mike. Mike this week is saying, call Jesus. Then call 911, then Mike. See, a lot of times we rely on things that we don't really realize that we're relying on. We don't see it. Brother Jake uh, talked a couple weeks ago on a great message, that he, and he said that he, he was okay with people telling him to do something, but it went and he had to embrace the fact that God was saying, I'm wanting you to step out and rely on me and do the things I want you to do was a different story. There's a different story than it's a different thing when you're just being told and you're being obedient to your pastor or you're being obedient to a parent or a boss. There's a difference to just being obedient than to walking in what God has for you. Because then the responsibility of being obedient is just between you and God. If you don't happen to set up the chairs after our election time for Wednesday night service, okay, you can be in trouble with pastor, but you know what? Pastor's just a man. But if you fail to pray for that person in Walmart that God's telling you to pray for, that's not pastor you're answering to. That's the king. But we rely on these insecurities to get by. I was never a fan of school. Never. I didn't apply myself. My test grades were great. My homework grades? Sometimes non-existent. But through that, I got bad grades. Which put a thought in my mind that, you know what, I'm not as smart as everybody else. I'm the dumb one, so I need to rely on other people to kind of answer the questions. And so when I was asked to do something that was uncomfortable you know what, I don't think I can do that because, well, I, I, I wouldn't be able to figure it out. You know, I don't know if I can talk this, this week, Pastor, because 
I, can't, I don't think I can go up there and preach this week, Pastor, because, well, you know what? My study habits don't, I, I don't have really good study habits. When I first, the first time I preached uh, on a Sunday morning out here, for those of you who don't know, I've gone to this church all my life. I was a really good kid, didn't really mess anything up in the church. All the holes that were made in the walls were all repaired and paid for. So, preaching for the first time in a church that you've grown up in, and a lot of people knowing you from when you were a small child, in your head leaves a reputation. Why is that punk kid up there talking? Why is pastor having that punk kid talk? I know the holes in the walls that he made. I know the things that they've done wrong. Works on your mind. First time I got up here, I did everything I could. I knew a month in advance I was going to be preaching. I prayed. I fasted. I did the studying that I know how to do. And it's a joke now. But at that time, it, it was a scary deal because I walked up here that Sunday morning with a post-it note with two words on it. That was my notes. I got up Sunday morning. First thing I did was head to pastor's office. I said, Pastor, I don't know if I can get up there. I've been doing everything I could. I've got two words on a post-it note. Pastor looks at me and goes, you'll be fine. <laughs> Do you not realize this is my first time? I'm the dumb one. I don't have the good study habits. This is probably my fault that I have two words on a post-it note. It's probably my fault. It may not be. It's not because God is trying to build in me something. It can't be that God is trying to make me a different person. It can't be God giving me those notes. It's got to be my fault that I'm walking through this. I got up that morning, and I went about 20, 25 minutes, which sometimes is long for me. But when it got done, people came up and said, man, that was the word that I needed for today. And when I look back, I, I see, you know what? God was teaching in me some things, and I didn't realize it. God was going, hey, there's this one thing, Mike. You're not the dumb guy. You're who I'm making you to be. You may look at yourself in this way. 
You may look at yourself as the dumb guy. You may look at yourself as the one that can't study and can't do things. But I don't see that. I see the potential that you're going to be. I see 10 years down the line, 20 years down the line, where you're going to be and what you're going to be doing. I have pages of notes nowadays, so don't worry. But that's what we do sometimes. We use these thoughts about ourselves as crutches. We use them as, as a way to get out of things. Ever watch somebody just learning how to roller skate? They don't just fly out into the middle of the floor. Well, they may slide out to the middle of the floor. But most of the time, they're... And that wall is like, they're not leaving the wall. Sometimes we use depression like this. Sometimes we, don't, we use insecurities like this. Sometimes we use our wealth like this. Sometimes we use our lack of wealth like that. I grew up, we didn't have a whole lot of money. But my parents were very faithful in giving. And let me tell you, I had casseroles. When my dad was working, I had casseroles and different things. Salmon patties. Excellent stuff. But then my dad would come home and go, hey, I got laid off today. Three or four days later, we're having steak. Hold on a second. It's not right. It's not how money goes. My parents had learned through good times and bad, God's got it. No matter what situation you're going through, God has it. We don't always rely on God, that one thing. But we look to our depression. We look to how others see us, and we rely on that. I know people who, when they put a post on Facebook or Instagram, if it doesn't get the amount of likes that they want, they take it down. What? Now, to me, and apparently it's a lot of you, that is just crazy. But if I mention depression, hey, well, hold on. Let's not mention that one. Because that's where I hide. Don't mention insecurities. Don't mention low self-esteem. Because that's where... I hide. That's my crutch. That's my one thing. And see, God is calling all of us, whether you've been in church and been saved for 50, 60 years, or you don't, you've not been saved yet. 
it doesn't matter. God is calling all of us. And when we come into this building and, and he's called us to this building and you go, you know what? Lord, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? God's not going to just sit there. If you ask the, that question sincerely, he's going to speak to you. He's going to speak to you, and he's going to point out the things that he's trying to work out of you and move in you so that you can become who you want him to be or who he wants you to be. If you look at blind Bartimaeus later on in chapter 10, blind Bartimaeus was known as a be blind beggar. He had a reputation. He, he was known. His coat told people who he was. His coat gave him permission, legal permission to, to beg in the streets. It was his identity. It's where he was comfortable because that's where he knew. He knew being blind and begging. He didn't have a house. Or he, if he did, it wasn't that great. But he saw, he heard Jesus was coming by. And he goes, I'm paraphrasing, Jesus, what do I need for inher to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, come here. Immediately, Bartimaeus took off his identity, took off his comfort zone, took off his moneymaker, threw it down, because the Bible doesn't say that he rolled it. No, he threw it down because he wasn't coming back for it. And Jesus healed him, and it says, the Bible says, Bartimaeus followed Jesus. See, when God comes in and does a work in our lives, a lot of times we're like, woohoo, God, God healed me. God say, did this, God did that. But then the following part doesn't follow. If you look at the Israelites, the Israelites in the wilderness, think about this. They were in the wilderness, but they were living in the miraculous. They were in the wilderness. Some of you think you're walking through the wilderness right now, and you may be going through some hard times. I don't know. But understand, God is miraculously moving in your life. Look at the Israelites. They never wanted for food. Their shoes never wore out. Growing kids that you have to buy a shoe every six months for, you weren't doing that. They were, these, they, he's, the Bible says they didn't wear out. That means the clothes grew with them, the shoes grew with them throughout this time. They were being fed. They were being protected. Nobody was going to touch them. And to top that off, we're all going, Lord, lead me, lead me, lead me. Show me what I need to do. They had the physical manifestation of the king leading their every movement. The cloud by day, the pillar of fire by night, physical manifestation of the king was. And yet, through all of that, they wanted to go back to Egypt and be slaves. Because the miraculous that they were going to, living in 
did not, did not meet their expectations of what it should have been. We come to Jesus and we go, well, I'm following Jesus now. My life should be perfect. I shouldn't have any problems. I should have a mansion. I should have a Mercedes in the garage. Yes. And that Mercedes should never break down. And it doesn't happen, so we're like, well, what's the use of following the king if I'm going to have problems? I might as well go back into what I used to have and live there. See, the Jews did the same thing in the New Testament. They had the king walking among them. But because Jesus did not look like their expectations, they rejected him. We fear what we don't know. And when it, the unknown comes to us and it's not what we expected, ever have that dessert that really, really looked good on a plate? And then you taste it and you're like, it's no secret there's, uh, that I despise deeply coconut. <laughs> and whoever made these brownies, I apologize. We were at a church picnic. And uh, just got off the softball field, and I'm wanting something to eat. And I look down, and there's some brownies. Yes, brownies, nice brownies. Who loves a brownie? Brownies are awesome, especially with a little ice cream on them. Man. Ooh, buddy. I grabbed that brownie, took a big old bite, and knew instantly there was coconut in it. I'm not allergic to coconut, but if there's any plant life in hell, it's going to be a coconut tree. <laughs> Just saying. That's how much I despise coconut. At the Last Supper, the marriage of the Lamb, there's no coconut on the table. Because we don't want anything to defile the good stuff. But I took that bite, and there was coconut. And I was in the middle of the pavilion, everybody around, and I am cringing. My expectation was that nice, oh, man, sometimes gooey. Ever like that corner piece where it's just a little bit crispy? Oh, man. Yeah, that had coconut in it. Talk about expectations not being met. We come into the, we come into the kingdom having those expectations, and we, we don't have them met. We go to the king and go, Lord, I'm going through this sickness. Would you just make, do a miracle in my life and heal me and take me out of this? And the king goes, you know what? You're going to be healed, but at a different time. And we go, what? My expectation was I was going to just, boop, back pain gone, joints better, flying around like Superman. And God's going, I have a plan for you. But to have that plan be what it needs to be, I need you to go through this and experience this 
so that you can meet others that are going through the same thing that don't know me yet that you can reach because they're going to come up. Sister Ann, I got a question for you. When, when someone came up and was need, wanting prayer for healing at your job, was it you that had the pain? If it was their elbow, you had a pain in their, your elbow. That was a sign. I'm sure Sister Ann didn't enjoy having the pain in her elbow telling her to pray for someone's elbow. Wouldn't it be a lot easier just to go, hey, Sister Ann, their elbow hurts. Can you pray for it? But God's going, Sister Ann, this is how I want you to work. This is how I'm working through you to reach those and have a reputation with hundreds of people that you're a prayer warrior. And that if they need something from God, they know who to go to. But who's going to sign up for the pain? Who's going to sign up for the loss? Who's going to sign up for the things that we would need to go through to learn what God wants us to learn? That one thing, we don't want to experience bad, Lord. All your good, I want. Yeah, yeah. I want the steak and potato, a nice salad. But you know what? The can of tuna, you know, I don't know. I don't know about that. That one thing, that one thing that we rely on, that safe spot, so that when the Lord starts asking us to grow, we're like, but Lord, I can't talk. Lord, I don't have any study habits. I'm not as smart as those around me. Lord, I, I say off-the-wall things sometimes. I don't always speak right. How do you expect me to speak to your people if I do these things? Sometimes I can say some, some things in a way that maybe hurt somebody's feelings. Lord, how are you going to use me like that? I'll just stay here, Lord, where I'm comfortable instead of stretching myself and maybe looking like an idiot sometimes and maybe getting embarrassed sometimes. And, you know, Lord, what if you're choosing to change my friend circle? Because I may have some friends that aren't good for me. But they're my comfort area. They're the ones that support me when I'm in trouble. And God's going, what do they, what, what do they have on me? Let me support you. Let me be your peace. Let me be your joy. Because my peace and my joy are going to last a lot longer than what your friends will. Your friends will turn on you eventually. And if you really want to think about it, your friends, if they were your friends, if you made a choice to get closer to God, are still going to be your friends. If you choosing to pray every day, if you choosing not to do some things you used to do, run some people off that are your comfort people, 
then they weren't really there to comfort you in the first place. And, uh, can we raise our hands? Lord, He is here right now. Could we all stand? He's here. He wants to work in your life. He wants to move in your life, and he, he wants to be your peace. He wants to be your joy. He wants to, you to reach the potential that you have in him. But to do that, God is speaking to you right now going, this one thing, if you would just give me this one thing. But, Lord, I have so many problems. Just give me this one thing, and those problems will be worked out. To this rich ruler, he said, go sell all thou have and give to the poor. That was not an instantaneous process. It wasn't a snap of the fingers and being rid of what you had, what he had. It was going to take some time for him to sell everything and give to the poor. See, when we fight things like depression and we fight things like insecurities and low self-esteem and, and things like that, God can come up and just speak the word. But more than likely, he's going to want you to walk through the valley, leaning on him, learning from him, and in a process to get you out so that when you come up to someone that is going through depression and they go, you don't understand I want to kill myself sometimes. You can go, I've been there. You should know my God. You should know my King. Because I was where you're at, and He brought me through it. He didn't just toss me out of it, and, and I don't know what, what happened, but He brought me through that whole situation to where now I've got joy. I've got peace. You don't, you want this peace that I have. You want this joy that I have. You don't want that what you're living in right now. You want what I have. There's something about those people that walk in joy. Those people that walk in peace. There are people are drawn to them. You want to know if you're going through depression right now and you allow God to just work that out of you and you give it to him. You're going to follow up. People are, that have been in depression for years are going to be coming up to you, wanting to talk to you. People that don't have joy are going to want to come up and talk to you. Because when you get that joy, God is going to start drawing people. And you're going to go, you know what? Let's have a Bible study. You may not get the Holy Ghost right now, but you know what? Let's have a Bible study. Let's start talking about the Word. And you start having that Bible study, and that person just starts soaking in because your joy and your peace and the word that God gives you to speak to people are gonna, is going to resonate with them and they're going to get your joy. They're going to get that joy and that peace because God's going to fill them with his spirit. We didn't get filled with the Holy Ghost and if you're not you're here, you're here today and you don't have the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues, you can come down to this altar and we'll pray with you and you'll have it now.
You'll have it now. It's, getting filled with the Holy Ghost is not a process. Getting filled with the Holy Ghost is not a process. When you come up here and say, Lord, forgive me for my sins. I don't want to live like I used to live. And I want you to live in my life. And I want you to control me. And I want you to lead and guide me. He will fill you with the Spirit. And you'll start speaking words you've never spoke before. as the evidence of His Spirit being in you. And then we have water for you to be baptized. In Jesus' name, according to the Bible. That's for you today if you don't have it. If you have it and you're fighting some battles and God's going, give this one thing to me. He's here. He is here before me. He walks before me. He walks behind me. Always beside me. Doesn't matter where I go. David said, if I go to the deepest parts of the sea, if I go to the highest mountains, you're there. I may not feel him right now. I may not see him right now, but he is here. He is working on me. I'm not a finished product. You know what happens to finished products that are filled with the Holy Ghost walking with him? They're no longer here. Your work for the king stops when you, he calls you home. If you got breath in your body, he's wanting you to reach people. He's wanting you to reach your neighbors, reach those that you come in contact with. Because he's bringing people that you can talk to and have his spirit fill them. If you're here this morning and you've never been filled with his spirit, I invite you to come. If you're here this morning and you're fighting a battle that you don't understand, I'm inviting you to come. The King of Kings is here. The King of Kings is wanting to move in your life. If I can have my prayer warriors start to move forward, if I can have those that are that pray with people, if you can move forward, because God is wanting to work in people's lives this morning. Lord, you are great. I invite you to come. If you want to be changed in His presence, I invite you to come.